Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Welcome to another week of Spirit Katana. I'm your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. I'm Rosella. I'm Jadefire. And I'm Big Mama. And together we are venturing uh, through the New Testament. Uh, we've been going through Matthew heading by heading as we try to uh, understand God's word and uh, his will for us more and more, sharpening our minds and hearts so that we are effective tools for him. <laughs> Starting off... We have some venturing for Rosella to kind of catch up to where the rest of us are. So, Rosella, why don't you start us off with your first heading, or first couple of headings, because they might have been merged together. The sign of Jonah. And? And I might have a thing for return of the unclean spirits. All right. Of an unclean spirit. I wrote, have God help you. For the unclean spirit? Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, it's like, God help you. <laughs> like, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Which, I mean, when all those demons grouped together and came back to him, he's in a lot of trouble. God help you, man. God help you. All right. God. Well, what's your next couple sections then, Rosella? Uh, the next thing you grouped together for me was Jesus, Mother, and Brothers... And the parable of the sower. All right. So, any notes in those in those sections at all? What I wrote for Jesus, mother, and brothers is if we do God's work, we're spiritually His brother or that, sister. This is true. That makes us part of His family. Hmm. That's exactly what that says. If we do His work, what what's His, his will? Work? His will. Whoever so does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Oh, that's exactly. And that's what we keep. That's what we keep reading the Bible to find out what is God's will. What does He want for us to do? This is the the one heading that I marked where I got it from, and I got it from verse fifty. Yeah, and then, it's kind of nice to know that we're also God's children then, and brothers and sisters of Christ, huh? Well, I'm it's a good place to be. Mother. Ooh, okay, Wait, we'll unpack that later. Before you married, it is him. interesting that he says, "and mother." I've wondered that myself. I've always just took it as like. Because they brought up the mother and brother, so he's just like, you're, if, part of my family. you're my family. That's mm. just all that means. <laughs> so there's not a specific role. Right. I, I don't think so. I mean, it makes sense. Because that, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. And, and I mean, like, is anyone actually worthy to be Jesus' mother? Apparently Mary was. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, she's just as bad as the rest of us because she... No one's perfect, so she had to sin, and whoever sins is accountable for all of it. So, does that mean? So, you're saying anyone with faith is able to carry out the greatest of commandments? The greatest of commandments? Well, not necessarily the greatest of commandments, the most honorary of tasks. If you have a good, strong faith. So, what you're saying is you need faith. Faith is very important. 
So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yes, we do have a chance because Jesus gave it to us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. All right, did you have anything for the sower then? or The parable of the sower? Yep. I think so. I didn't write the heading of the verse. So... Oh, And okay. it sounds like I have it for this verse but, or this section. I wrote, he who is with God grows. Oh, he is with God grows? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, all of them, except for the ones snatched off the path, grow to some extent. But different things happen to them too, right? Well, he who is with God grows in well. Grows well. You yeah. just say yeah. grows well. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a word to say. Sure. He keeps the weeds at bay. All right, cool. It produces more fruit. Yep. The other too. ones don't. Yep. All right, so then what's your next section, Rosella, as you're speedily catching up? Um, the purpose of the parables. Okay. I wrote, God does not choose those who are fit for his works. God does what? Choose those who are fit for his works. What verse do you pull it from? Do you remember? No. I don't know how I got that from either. <laughs> yeah, if you do pull it from specific verses, it's really handy to make sure you... Oh, um... I'm, I'm trying to do yep. that, but... Okay. No, that's fine. I'm just saying. Um, so, where does your section start? What verse? It starts in 10 and goes 10. to... What chapter? 17. And chapter... Cha- 13. Chapter 13. I'm not necessarily seeing that in this passage myself. And you're saying that he doesn't choose those who are fit? For his work. That seems odd. I don't know where I got it from this verse because I wrote the ref- the heading mm-hmm. and then I wrote the thing and then... Well, maybe you yeah. like the idea is he doesn't call the equip, he equips. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, so, did you understand the purpose of the parables? Because I think we talked about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we... Do you remember anything? I know you asked me about what a parable is. Yeah, we did talk about what a parable is. And it's and it, apparently it tells me right Oh, there. it tells you right there in their Bible, too. It says, what is a parable? And then, the term parable refers to a short stories or wise sayings in various forms, including proverbs, fabulous... Fables. Fables, comparisons, and riddles. Jesus... Parable Jesus's parables usually revealed a clear gospel message, but for unbelievers they become a form of God's judgment because they refer refers to listen to the mes- to the message. Yep. And so like here he's talking about how he speaks in parables, which is just a story to illustrate something else about God's kingdom and what he's doing for us right yeah a lot of these he's talking in parables yes he talks in parables a lot and he says he does that so that those who want to understand will seek it out and seek him out and those that don't want to understand close their eyes spiritually to the truth in front of them exactly i remember doing this (laughs) yes see we did talk about it all right well let's move on what's your next one Oh, sorry. First, where where did you pick up, uh, Ruby? The parable of the weeds. Oh, so that's probably where she's at too, right? Oh no, you're a little no, bit. No, I that. have one more heading before that. But they're both part of the same section. They're both Thursdays. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and launch into those two sections? What do you got? The parable of the weeds and what else? The parable of the sower explains. Oh yes, but they explain the parable of the sower. Oh yeah, I said um like how. It's basically closing the door when you spiritually close your eyes. Yep. 
That sounds like a good note for the last section. <laughs> I wrote, God does not close the door, but you close the door. Okay. Is your note that he doesn't call the fit from the section before? It seems like it might be. It sounds like you're off by a section. Because it basically, how I can see that is that it's a seed for everyone when it starts. So it's not like somebody is starting with a plant that's just getting transplanted. We all start with a seed and then grow. I remember earlier you said you were missing a note somewhere. So I think you just pushed all your notes one off. Because your note for the what you just said sounds like the note for what we just talked about. <laughs> so I think you do have a note for everything. It was just one. So, so then what's your next note after that? It's for it should be for the parable of the week. What if it was like sort of like let it grow and then and then um then you pluck both because then you then God's basically separating the good from the bad and sends the bad to the hell and the good to heaven. All right, good note there. Um, and so Ruby, you also have the weeds. The parable of the weeds. Yes. Yep. So, what's your note? Oh, don't be a lead. Okay. No, Sherry just said hers, so now I want yours. Oh, what does God want my life to look like? Work with what I have. To work with what you have? Want to expound on that a little more? I mean, working with what you have is good, but I don't know. I, I feel like we need more verse correlations I'm sorry. from our notes Usually here. I'm good at trying to do this, but <coughs> now I don't know. I mean, the parable of weeds isn't explained in this section. It's explained later, so I can get why you're struggling a little bit, which is fine. Um, I try to get my own version of explanation. Yeah, and I think what you're seeing, even though this isn't necessarily what it's saying, is that, okay, he planted all the good stuff, somebody else planted bad stuff, we're still going to work through that with what we have here. Oh, that's a good... I'm guessing that's where she's coming from. Is that Which where is you're coming from, Ruby? I think so. Like my mindset was like God tries to get as many children as he can, but he has what he has and he works through them and stuff. So it's probably mm, okay. And then I'm like, so this is where I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> so like and like what you say is true. He does have us in certain places and we work with what he's given us because he's given us all that we actually need i don't think this is necessarily what's being said here but that's fine like you that you did that is an accurate thing <laughs> accurate thing <laughs> all right so moving on from the parable of the weeds um Ruby can start us off in her next section, which covers what? The parable of the tiny mustard seed. Okay. The mustard seed and the leaven? Leaven. Leaven. Yeah, mine says the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Well, my next one is the parable of the yeast. Oh, mine groups them. And I didn't group them myself, so. Okay, so what do you got for the parable of the mustard seed? Okay, um... What did you learn about God? I wrote down that God has a great kingdom and I can't wait to go there because, like, in this, it talks about heaven's kingdom can be compared to a mustard seed, how it grows into, like, the greatest garden plant or whatever. Okay. Like, it's just 
the best, I guess. It is the best. I think it's neat how it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. But when we often hear this, we think of the mustard seed as our faith that's growing, correct? Yes. That's often how I've heard it. So if you take that and apply it here, the kingdom of heaven is growing inside of you whenever your faith is kind of... You're literally bringing the kingdom of heaven into earth. Your kingdom come. All right, Rosella, what do you got? For the mustard seed and the... And whatever else is in part of that section, which also flips to the other page, I know. Prophecy of the parable. That's a picture. <laughs> cool. That's for later. <laughs> I wrote that some things that are small can become big. I mean, yes. <laughs> this is very basic knowledge of how the world is. Well, I mean, it is true that things that are small can become big, but how does that help us learn more about God or what he wants us to do? A way to put it for, like, like a small bit of faith, you can make that grow into lots of faith, basically. Okay, yep. That's true. Like, your faith can grow because it's so small. It can continually grow. Did this idea highlight to you because you're small and you dream to be big? Maybe. (laughs) 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 Do you have anything for the other headings in that section for that day? God is all you need. Is what I wrote. For the prophecy thing or something? I think so. And what about the third section? The parables of the weed explained. I wrote, you must obey God. Why? Why must we obey God according to this passage? Which passage exactly? The parable of the weeds explained. Oh. Seems pretty a p- pretty good reason why we should do what God tells us to do. What happens if we don't? If we're part of the enemy seed? What happens to us if we're the weeds? Then we get tossed into hell. Yes, we burn. For eternity. Well, that's arguable, but we burn. <laughs> what do you mean it's arguable? Uh, there are some thoughts that uh, people... Um, if they do not enter into the kingdom of heaven at the end times, that they will be uh, annihilated. They won't exist at all. They won't burn forever because they just cease to exist after they are punished. In Revelation, it does speak about um, being tormented for eternity, but that's in direct reference to the devil and his angels. So the devils and the angels will be eternally burning. But But like, it's going to be different from death. It'll be like before you were born. You didn't exist. Like, it's not going to be like death again. It's Well, it is the second death. It is considered a second death. It's, it's yeah. referred to that but way. But still, when you die, you're going to go to like, no one knows exactly, but like, and, but you will be back. And when you die, the second time or whatever. Well, it is called the second death. You're correct with that. Um, death in Greek doesn't always necessarily mean what it means in English. In Greek, it means separation from. So, like, death in the body is when your body and your spirit are separated. And the second death is when you are separated from God himself, is what I understand it to be. So, yeah, the second death is when you're separated from God. I could see that meaning you cease to exist because it's only by his grace that we exist. Right. Again... Either circumstance is not a circumstance you want to find yourself in. You do not want to be obliterated 
after severe burning punishment, possibly. One you certainly do not want to burn for eternity. Burning of the soul, too. Like, it's not your body that's burning here. Your body's probably rotting somewhere in a grave. But it's the burning of your soul. Like, that's got to be even worse than the burning of your body. And that's another thing, too. Like, it describes it as a lake of fire and burning and all that stuff. We don't really know what that necessarily means. It's all imagery, right? It's a way for us to understand. Maybe it isn't, like actually like a big pit of fire or a lake of fire or lava or whatever you know we don't really know and we don't know what burning of our soul will ultimately mean you know what i mean it's the best we can it's but you can imagine that doesn't sound fun right to burn forever so you know that what they're describing is something that is a punishment you do not want to endure even even if we didn't know it was burning or like anything we didn't know anything about it. If it was bad, if it was good. We know it's the opposite of God. And yes. you don't want to be on the opposite of God. So. Absolutely. Because God is the source of good. So you're just separating yourself from anything that is good. That's not going to be fun. Alright. So. Uh, I think with you getting the parable of the weeds explained. I think Ruby has a couple to catch up on now. What? Oh. I've got the parable of the yeast, prophecy and parables. Jesus explains the parables. Okay. Um, Lay it on us, Ruby. What does God want my life to look like? He wants me to repent and not to be like the um, evil or invasive weeds, basically, but to be like the good weeds. And at least what I think is the weeds are like the sinners who don't repent and like the weed is the good stuff that was planted yep that's you're accurate in what you understood there yes all the discussion about the roots and everything too it makes me think about when hardships come i mean it talks about um when the seed is scattered it talks about the roots that some fell on rocky ground and it didn't have much soil it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep but when the sun came up it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away um but some of it, it falls on good ground and produces fruit. When we come up against the scorching and the um, weeds and all that sort of stuff, there's two different things that a plant can do. And one is that it forces its roots down further into the soil to get more nutrients from the soil. And the other is that it starts withering away. So whenever we come up against anything that causes the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit in us, so if we feel impatient, unjoyful, unkind out of control, um, all of those sorts of things, harsh. If we feel those things coming up inside of us, we can choose to have our roots go down deeper into the spirit and in faith, or we can choose to let them begin withering our soul, essentially. Very good. All right. Jade Fire, the parables of the hidden treasure in the pearl. But it says priceless pearl, and it looks like princess pearl. <laughs> princess pearl. I like it. Mine is three seconds. The parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great value, the parable of the net. Cool, cool. Same. I have parable of hidden treasure and extraordinary pearl, the parable of the fishing net. And old new fish. and old okay. treasure. Okay. Anyway, fire your note. Um, all right. My note. Oh, uh, my question is, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer for that is to store my treasure in heaven. Uh, yep. What does that mean? To store treasure in heaven. Can you put your video games up in heaven? No. No. 
like store your soul in heaven yeah that but how do you do that well where you store your treasure that's where your heart is so what is the treasure that would be in heaven sorry maybe i'm not explaining it well big mama uh, oh, okay. my brain is like still trying to figure out what you were saying exactly because I was. I confused. can attempt at this. Go, go over there. Um, storing your treasures in heaven, like good and sh- loving people, or like obeying the Bible, and because if you play video games your whole life instead of reading the Bible, you might not go up to heaven or whatever. But like, if you actually read the Bible and store your treasures essentially up there. What epiphany did you have, Jade Fire? Um, so basically, make Jesus your treasure. Okay. And what does that look like in practicality? Uh, I don't know. What How do you live is. like he's your treasure? To follow him, uh, to obey his commands, and do it, do everything how he wants you to do it. Do you have any idea what that looks like? Uh, the fruits of the spirit. That is fruit you would produce by following his commands, yeah? Makes me think of in Luke when it's, uh, well, probably a lot of the Gospels, but I know in Luke where it says, um, if anyone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes your cloak, give them your tunic as well. Um, it's very easy to, to set our boundaries. And if someone tries to cross them, to fight them on that. And it's not always wrong to hold firm boundaries. Um, God has put boundaries into all of creation, but... Also, it's to not honor those above others and their welfare. So if someone takes your cloak and you offer them their your tunic as well, you are not treasuring your clothing. You're not even treasuring your security because back then a cloak and a tunic wasn't like, oh, you don't have a coat? Well, you probably want to get under a blanket when you go home tonight. That was their blanket, especially when they were traveling. So that was the only protection that they had. So they were entrusting God with their protection if they lost their cloak and their tunic. Um, and the same, if someone strikes you on one cheek, offer him the other also. You're sacrificing your pride and your security, thinking that you won't get hurt if you fight them back, that sort of a thing. So it's honoring your commitment to be joyful, patient, peaceful, kind, good, gentle, more than your commitment to take care of yourself, which is not always easy. Hmm. Especially when garbage companies are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're having some issues with garbage companies. And I'm trying really hard not to be sassy at customer service. Um, and here's, so like, we kind of got off track a little bit by talking about uh, storing up treasures in heaven, because it's not what that says here, specifically. That's not this passage. Um, and it's talking about how the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. That is the treasure. That yes. is what we're seeking. That is what we want. And we, or we should be wanting, and we should be wanting it so much that nothing else is worth the same as that. We should be pursuing that at all costs. And he uses those two examples for us. We have both parables in one little section because they're both just, I mean, together it's like three verses. And they're saying the same thing. They sold everything they had or bought, like, like spent tons of money and all resources just to get that treasure, that pearl, or that, that treasure in a field, you know what I mean? I don't see how that's off topic at all, to give up your rights, so to speak, in order to obtain deeper faith. Wait. I didn't say you got off topic. I, when we were talking about the the treasure, store up your treasure in heaven, what is your treasure in heaven? I was getting off topic. So, like, there's a saying, or whatever, like, a guy is looking through landmarks and stuff, finally found his land. Uh, sort of. 
Um, that was a story about somebody who spent all his pursuit for an actual earthly treasure as opposed to... Like, this is using earthly treasure as an example of what the kingdom of God is. So we're not supposed to actually buy a field and spend all our resources for a pearl, right? We're supposed to do it for the kingdom of heaven, where that's what our treasure is that we're seeking. And it's saying it's like somebody who does that for something, but what they do if they're just seeking a pearl is nothing. And the story we read about was about somebody who heard about a treasure, buried on this land, even hired other people to help him find it, and spent his entire life looking for it, and he never got to spend it. And that was more of an example of how we pursue earthly treasures and forfeit our soul. Because we're okay. pursuing something that doesn't last and will okay. do us no good. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I basically covered my note. Just the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. Everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, Ruby, why don't you give us what you have for the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl? Um, my note mainly comes from the parable of the fishing net. Oh, the net? Okay, well, we'll move on for a little bit then. Uh, Big Mama, did you have anything else you wanted to add for the hidden treasure and the pearl? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Rosella? Princess Pearl. Hey, what you got, Princess Pearl? I wrote, God will always have compassion on you, and God will always protect you spiritually. And where does that come from exactly? Do you know? I at least was with you when you made that note one day, and it was not on. It was on Feeding of the Five. Hmm. Yeah, that's your next section. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was your note for Feeding of the Five Thousand. So do you have anything for the net or the pearl or anything there? Maybe I wrote God is all you need for this area. That does seem to make more sense. Mm, I could have gives that. Because you give yep. up everything for those things. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe I just got my notes mixed up. It seems likely. I think you should maybe use one page per day. That might help you. Alright, so... Ruby, Parable of the Net. Yes. I just keep picturing Sandra Bullock. Who's Sandra Bullock? An actress. In the net. <laughs> yeah. I think you watched the net with us one time. Sounds familiar. It's where their identities were getting erased or changed on the internet, and they made her out to be a criminal while she's trying to expose them. Cause they... Not the one I'm thinking of, but yes, I have seen that movie. Yep. I want to watch that movie. It sounds cool. It is cool. Okay. Parable of the Net. Ruby. Um, well, it's technically both, but... I think I get it mostly from the net. What does God want my life to look like? Um, well, he doesn't want me to be like this, but in the end, I probably don't want to be like it either. Because it talks about how, like, they go fishing, they get the big net, and they get all their load. Then they go to shore with that, and then they take out the bad fish and throw them back in the water. That's like, God will take up all his children and um, take the good from the bad and keep the good but give the bad to hell, I guess. The way you worded that and the way it is worded here, I guess, it makes me think of, um, like it says he'll throw the worthless ones back, right? But throughout, oh, mine says throughout the worthless ones. But you said he throws them back, and that just makes me think of, like, he gathers us all up like the wheat, right? And then he throws the worthless ones back into earth, which is going to be destroyed by fire. Purified by fire, I guess. I guess this one says they threw the bad away. Yeah, but then just, it, just a ver two verses later, it says into the blazing furnace. So. Which, the earth is going to be purified by fire, so... Are they just basically <laughs> staying on earth as it's purified? Uh -huh. Yeah, oh, who knows? <laughs> I, it was just a thought that I'd not had before, because it always talks about the heart of the earth and, oh, like, sure, sure, sure. the lake of fire, and it's like, well, earth is going to be a ball of fire. 
Because yeah, we're going to be a new heaven, a new earth, so. Yeah, yeah, because it was purified with water in the days of Noah, and it'll be purified with fire. All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the parable of the net, Big Mama? No. No? Okay. What I have, and we kind of already went over this with other sections here, is that we certainly do not want to be counted among the wicked. Whether that weeping and gnashing of teeth is eternal, or only lasts until we are completely obliterated, it will still be highly unpleasant. And... It's like it doesn't matter how long it is if it's the worst thing you ever had to endure. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. It is highly unpleasant and an existence without hope until there's no existence, if that's the case, you know. But even mm-hmm. then, your existence here on Earth is one without hope because you're following to a place where you're, like, yeah. if you decide to turn your back on God. I mean, even just speaking from, like, childbirth and how intense that is, you lose track of time. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so... And it's just complete misery. So, yeah. We don't want to be in that group. We don't want to be the bad fish. Don't be a bad fish. See, that's my note. God, what does God want my life to look like? Also, what do I want my life to look like? (laughs) Not a bad fish. I've been thinking that a lot lately, too, with, like, just everything I'm learning, especially in the class at church. How it's like, it's not just what God wants and what God sees. And it's like, that's what I want. That's what... I'm after. Right. I mean, like, you're after God's will and whatnot, but, like, and some things maybe you're like, fine, it's God's will, so I guess, but some things it's like, yeah, I don't really want that, so... But even ultimately, when you're like, fine, I guess I'll do it your way, it's because you know that God wants the best for you. But it also makes me think of, like... I feel like it's used kind of in a weird way, like saying your true self. Some people are like, oh, I have to go find myself by going on a trip through Europe. But um, there was like a parenting technique where it was helping the child to reveal their true self. And their true self is the one that's without defenses and without anger and all that sort of stuff. And it was all very like, I mean, there was good stuff in it, but it was kind of annoying. (laughs) It seemed impractical a lot of the time. But in reality... With the scriptures, God is helping us find our true selves because he knows what we were created to be. He's the one who gets to say what we were made to do. Um, So the closer we get to his will and his purpose, the closer we are to our true selves. And if that's what we're after, then yeah, we need to follow God to find our true self. It's like taking two people, one who doesn't know God, the other who does, and like, go find it yourself. One goes, like you said, to Europe, and the other one's like, and you have a week. The one goes to Europe for a week. The other one goes and just sits with the Bible for a week. <laughs> Jade fire. Parable of the net. And new and old treasure. Same thing as me. Um, what does God want your life to look like? Um, to be the good fish. No. So everyone just wants to be the good fish. Well, if I have to be a fish. I'm going to be a rainbow trout. That's a thing. What? I know there's a rainbow fish and a trout fish, but I don't know about rainbow, rainbow, rainbow trout. Rainbow or rainbow trout. It's the kind that you get at a fish fry where the skin is still on and like, <gasps> eat it. It's good. Mm. I don't like it, but it's like Moving a Moving on. I'm going to be a rainbow trout. I'm going to be a clownfish. <laughs> you are a clownfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which means I can cook him and eat it. <laughs> can we stop? Okay. <laughs> but it's funny. <coughs> I don't think people eat clownfish. <laughs> I'm going to. Are we moving to the next section? That's my goal. A prophet no. without honor. What? Big Mama, do you have anything for this starting in 53? 
Are we on Jesus Rejected in his hometown? Verse, verse 54 to 58? Well, for me, it's verse 53 to 58, but yeah, we're in that section. Oh. So the takeaway that I have from this section is that the people who supposedly know you the best don't always. Um, it's very easy to take it to heart when people who are close to you say things about you because, well, they know me the best, right? But that is not the case. God knows you the best. And sometimes the people who don't have your past in mind know you a whole lot better than the people who are seeing you through the filter of your past. Because um, a lot of times you still want to, um, you do want to turn to those people that do know you because they might have some good insight on what's going on because other people will not perceive it correctly because they don't know where you're coming from because they don't know you, right? Mm. So, like, there's a weird balance there. Like, you sometimes they do know you the best, sometimes they don't. Like, you gotta... Depends on what you're talking about, right? And what information you're trying to get. No, but just because they've known you the longest does not mean that they know you the best. Correct. All right, for me, I wrote... Let's see, I highlighted the last verse. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And this is something I've brought up in other discussions before. Um, but just... Mm. Uh, so I've often thought this this is why we don't see many miracles in more, quote-unquote, civilized places. We think too highly of our minds and are much more ready to be skeptical than to believe in a miracle happening. And miracles that do happen, we are ready to explain away. Which really doesn't stop the event from being a miracle. After all, God can certainly work through the design of his creation. But we often, because we can't explain it, decide it's not a miracle. Then. Oh my god, it makes me think of the book that we're going through for school where it says when you pray, coincidences start happening. It's like, mm. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, that it did happen through a natural course, but that doesn't mean that the alignment and the timing isn't miraculous here. Exactly. So all right. where we at? Uh, then we are moving to Jade Fire for a prophet without honor. All right. Um, Jesus rejected Nazareth? Yes. Um, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to believe in him. I mainly got that because of verse 58. Yep. Yep. No, no, you're not wrong. It's, it, this whole story is about people not believing him, and that's why things aren't going that great. But So, that makes sense. But I want you to start digging deeper. Sometimes when you find something, it's like, I only found this one little thing, but then you think deeper in how does that apply to me directly? Yes. What aspects of my life do I have unbelief in that I need to change oh. if I want to see his miracles in my life? Oh. Or do you see a comparison to this situation in our world, like what I did? Okay. Makes sense? Yeah, I, that makes more sense. I'll okay. probably have better notes for now on. Um, like, for example, with this, again, if you're failing to exhibit the fruits of the spirit that shows that there's some unbelief in you somewhere. What are you not believing about Jesus? Because he does fulfill everything. Mm -hmm. When you are in step with the spirit, you have continual deep access to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentleness, self-control. So if you're not accessing those, then you're not in step with the spirit. So why? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What lie are you believing that is preventing you from accessing that faith? Exactly. Ruby. You have something for this section? Jesus, re Jesus rejected in his hometown? Yes. Oh, okay. What does God want my life to look like? Um, to always welcome him so that he can do many miracles in my life. Because, um, in verse 58, and their unbelief kept them him from doing many mir mighty miracles in Nazareth. So, like, they didn't welcome him, so they didn't get the joy of miracles and, like, if we reject God, this isn't necessarily say, like, he, saying he won't do miracles. Maybe he'll 
still trying to get you to believe in him with miracles. But, like, if you reject him, he's not going to make your life, or he, you're not, life's not going to be the best, that's for sure. Yeah, you get the impression that when he was performing miracles here, like the few that he did, they were not responding well to them. Yeah. Whereas in other places, yeah, the Pharisees weren't responding well, but a lot of other people were definitely responding very well and having a ton of faith that he could do what he was saying he could do. Mm-hmm. They weren't, co- these people weren't coming to them from far off cities being like, hey, my servant back home needs healing, or hey, my child is dying, please come quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. Or all I have to do is touch your cloak and I'll be healed. That's not that's not the mindset these people had when they were They're going like, to talk to him. They were offended by him. Yeah, because they didn't want to be preached to by someone they knew. Right? They're like, this is just some, this is just Mary and Joseph's kid. Like, he's just well, a person. Was a perfect child. Well, even, even when you're perfect, people don't always perceive you as perfect. Exactly. Not saying that I'm perfect, right? But, but even like, when you're doing good, people will see it as bad still sometimes. Because yeah, it has Why? more to do with their heart than yours. I don't like oh. the way you eat that cracker. Or they believe that people should do certain things in a certain way, and they're not necessarily right about it. Especially depending on the circumstances, right? Sometimes what they think might be right, but not in all circumstances. Moving on to chapter fourteen, and I think Rosella's finished with hers for this week. Um, so, Ruby, where are we at with, oh, I guess you you might have more still, so we'll just, uh, I'll start us off this time. John the Baptist beheaded. Um, so Matthew 14, 2 and Matthew 14, 6 through 10 are what I have highlighted here. And, um, it's, and he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work at him. And then moving on, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. And so my note here is we should not let our own pleasures and desires lead us into sin. And that guilt for Herod, because he he didn't want to do it, but he was led by his own pleasures and sin to do so, that guilt made Herod paranoid. He was sure that John had come back when he was hearing the stories about Jesus. Um, And he was sure that John had risen again. So living in sin does not produce joy, but steals and our actions will haunt us. So that was my note. Literally, is that a ghost? Yeah, he he thought John himself just came right back from the dead and was tormenting him, basically. Thanks for stealing my notes. You're welcome. All right, Jade Fire. We are on the death of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Yes. My cue is, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to trust God no matter what. And where do you pull that from? I don't write where I pull it from, so I need to find it. Mainly the entire part where he died. So if we trust God no matter what, we'll get beheaded? No! That's not what I'm saying! So please explain, because we're not understanding. (sighs) Um, what I am saying is if he didn't trust God, he wouldn't have, uh, one, didn't he get stoned before? Or was that somebody else? No. Paul gets stoned a lot. We're not even in anywhere near that place. That it's oh. We're still in one of the Gospels. We're not in Acts. I think That's where a lot of the stoning happened. Oh, oh my! Okay. So continue on with what you were saying. What was your thought process? Um, 
that if he didn't believe God and he died, he would have gone to hell. But now he is going to go be going to heaven. My passage doesn't say that, though. I mean, we can be pretty sure that John the Baptist made it to, to the eternity, but this passage doesn't say that at all. John was a pretty bad guy. Never preached God once in his life. Shut up. Sorry. I, that's what I knew. You're supposed to be pulling from the passage, though. Sorry. The reason that it's important to pull from the passage is because it helps us to catch the places where we just think we know things. And then when unbelief does start to set up, we can go back to what the Bible really does say and go, okay, well, I thought I knew this, but it says right here, blah, 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 blah. And then we don't have to second guess ourselves. So if you say, even if really bad stuff happens to us in this life, we can endure because of the hope of eternal life. That's true, but what verses tell us that? So that when we're going through those really hard things, we can go back and confirm that that is true from God's word. It's not just something a pastor said wants to make us feel better. And and for that, so like for this section, if you couldn't really pull anything else out of it, except that like, okay, something bad happened to John, but I know that John probably made it to heaven, even though it doesn't specify it, right? Um, but if you know that good things still happen to those that have suffered, why do you know that? Is it in the Bible somewhere? Yes, it is. So you go look for it and cross-reference it and be like, well, it says here, so this is why I believe this when I read this section. I'm like, okay, yeah, bad things did happen to John the Baptist, but it was for God's glory and kingdom, and John the Baptist will be rewarded in heaven. So that's when you have to do some extra research then and take a little extra time, okay? And also, pulling verses and just saying that you think you know things is a very dangerous thing, and a lot of people do that to twist the word. What happened when... Jesus was in the desert. Ah, uh, the devil twisted the word. Exactly. He kept using actual Bible verses to tell Jesus things. And of course, Jesus is, knows the Bible a lot better, and he uses his own Bible, the other Bible verses, to refute what Satan is trying to twist around. He was cross-referencing. He, he was cross-referencing, because Satan didn't misquote the Bible. He said exactly what was in there, in those verses. But he misapplied the truth that was in there because he wasn't using the whole Bible as context because he wanted Jesus to sin. Okay? Okay. It's so called, you, oh, go ahead. It's called using the scripture to interpret scripture. That's a phrase that I heard for many years before I knew what it meant. It means that when we don't understand a passage or we think we understand a passage, we have to find other passages that corroborate our thought process or um, deny our thought process and say, oh, I guess I was wrong there. So you use all of scripture together to find the truth, not just little snippets here and there that support theories. Okay. Okay. All right. Ruby. Yes. What's your note? Zorda. Well, tell it to me in the words you wrote. Um, since I've used questions, mine is, what does God want my life to look like? And what I wrote is more like, what does he not want me to, my life to look like? He doesn't want it to for me to follow my own passions or desires, basically, but to follow sure. God's. Uh, you're, just, his, you're just copying me. You're just saying what I said. No, I'm, I'm you're the one who makes you. me last, so you can just <laughs> get my notes. And Big take. Mama, what do you got? Oh, on this, um, my, uh, I don't know what you call it. Taking the whole section as one piece where it talks about John the Baptist beheaded and then I think throughout the rest of the chapter. Yes. It's interesting to me how this is outlining uh, pretty much one day. I mean, John the Baptist isn't 
beheaded on the same day as the rest, but Jesus hears about it. Mm. So John the Baptist was a cousin of some sort who Jesus had known since before birth. Um, And John is the one who baptized him, who like kicked off, who helped him kick off his ministry essentially before he went out into the desert for the 40 days and everything. So he obviously was close in some way with John the Baptist. And then he hears about him being beheaded in an extraordinarily unjust way. And his reaction is to withdraw. And I understand that. Mm. But did the crowds respect that? No. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, he's going to the other side. And so they like chase him around the other side. And his reaction is not to be like, you guys go away. I need a minute. But to have compassion on them and begin healing them in his distress. And then he goes on to feed them all while he's there. And then after that is done, he sends the disciples away and goes up onto the mountainside to pray. Um, Or after dismissing the crowds. So he sends the disciples away. He dismisses the crowds, closes up shop, so to speak, and then goes up on a mountain again to pray by himself. And after that is when he walks on water. So even from his exhaustion, um, sadness serving others all day long he still goes out and walks on the water out many miles they were in the middle of the lake and the lake was i think six miles wide and they were three miles out and then they crossed over so halfway there living on a prayer (laughs) and then he crosses over and then the next day the men of that place recognized him alerted the whole vicinity and brought him all who were sick and begged him that they might only just touch them so like I doubt this was a specifically overwhelming day. I bet it was an average day <laughs> in Jesus's life where like a day that rough in my life would be like, I need four years to recover from this <laughs> and then I might be ready to go into more service. But this was his every day and he was completely human and relying on God to get him through this consistently exhausting ministry that he had. And God sustained him and the disciples because they were alongside him for most of it, not carrying the brunt of it, sure, but they didn't really have it easy either. So just seeing how exhausting emotionally and physically every day was with Jesus. I mean, you didn't find out someone got beheaded every day, but I'm sure. Sure. Anybody who works with people who are hurting, they need secondary care from for secondary trauma, you know? So it's hard to do that sort of stuff. And Jesus was in it deeply, constantly, and trying to get some quiet time when he... All right. Jade Fire. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Mama decided to just cover a bunch of sections at once. (laughs) My question in it... My question is, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer to that question is to um, have faith. What does it look like to have faith in your life? How would your life look? I would stop stealing. How would faith help you to stop stealing? Because I can trust God that I will be fed. Taken care of. Have Mm -hmm. the things you need. Have Mm -hmm. good things. Mm -hmm. Because it's not, I don't think that you fear starving to death. But perhaps you fear missing out, not having good, fun things like that, enjoyment, that sort of stuff, pleasure. Which also just shows that that is an idol then to seek that kind of, those pleasures and things, so. Yeah, good day. All right. Ruby. Yes. My section? Yes. Uh, we finished on the Baptists are killed, right? Yes. Okay, I thought so. My section is Jesus feeds the multitude. Um, And my thing is, what does God want my life to look like? 
and my answer is to have more faith that like he will provide what I need um kind of what you guys were just saying but um that and not even necessarily what I need um but um that I will be taken care of that I will be taken care of um but like in things that I want like spending time with you guys or whatever like to know that I usually get that and not to worry or to like try to constantly find time to do that or whatever. Sure. To organize my priorities in a sense because God will take care of what I want so I don't need to go leave everything to try to make sure I get it. But God will, if I need it, he'll make sure I have it. Yeah. And ultimately all of that is provided in God because we all have being needs, whether it's connection or um, relationship and that sort of stuff. And often, always, I would argue, when there's something that we want, it connects back down to one of those needs that God has already fulfilled. So if we are seeking comfort, closeness, relationship, acceptance, God already completely has accepted us through Christ. He wants a relationship with us more than we could ever want a relationship with anyone. Um, He is our greatest comfort because everything that really matters is already taken care of through him. So like all of those things that we are constantly seeking in the world, the root of them is already fulfilled in God. So recognizing that and having faith in that is how we're able to give up fighting. Yeah, so that's good. That is good. Um... I know you went through a whole section, so did you have anything else here, Big Mama? Uh, nothing. Okay. Um, my note here was, um, so, like, I've struggled with miracle stuff sometimes myself, and I know I brought up miracles just a little bit ago, but, um, and, like, in my journey of it, like, understanding that, like, oh, well, the miracles aren't necessarily, like, outside of the way the world works, so, like, like, it could have been a giant wind that came that caused the the seas to split when Moses came, right? Just at that right time. Like, coincidence, so that is miraculous. But, like, it was still within God's creation of and how things were flowing and the natural order or whatever. Mm-hmm. What about the 5,000 feeding? That's what we're talking about, so I'm getting there. Oh. <laughs> um, and so then I started to think, okay, so maybe there is just, like, there. it's always that way. Like, he just works with the way that his creation just works. But then we get to... The miracle of the fish and bread. What they failed to mention is that the two fish or whatever were actually whales. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. So, so my note here is that sometimes God's miracles seem to work within our own understanding of how the world works and how he designed it. Yeah. And coincidences. But God also does perform miracles that we have no way of explaining with our own understanding. There are sometimes things that just he just will multiply the fishes and loaves right like he will just do these miraculous things that seem like they make no or make food rain from heaven right you know whatever <laughs> and doesn't it say um two small fish mine just says two fish yeah mine just says here only five loaves of bread and two fish but then they had enough mm-hmm. leftovers to fill up extra baskets 12 sure is what I read. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which there shouldn't have any left over because there shouldn't have been enough to fulfill everybody's needs. Yeah, five barley loaves and two fish. When me and Rosella were talking about it, um, I was like, so think of how sometimes we'll like go to the museum or the park and I'll be like, okay, here's your lunch. Everybody gets a half of a peanut butter sandwich. This is not a big meal. It's just to keep you from starving until we get home. 
And that's not what this was. This is like Christmas dinner when we have so many leftovers that they're not fitting in the fridge. Right. Or Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Big meal. Big meal. We need two fridges. We just got rid of a fridge because we don't need two fridges. Yes, we do. All right. We need that fridge up in our kitchen. Um, all the space we have. Um, how, um, the old man was talking about how the, the miracles work and how we understand the life works. Um, almost like um, how a butterfly or a caterpillar um, um, turns into a chrysalis and then becomes a butterfly. Like, we read about that last night. Yeah, yeah, we did. We read it as an example of the change that goes on in us when we have the Holy Spirit. And, yeah, like, we don't necessarily, like, we can explain. There's so many things even in this world that, like, well, we can't explain the miracles, right? Like, we understand how the wind could push stuff and everything. But we're does everything ultimately come from there's always more questions that we don't know how to answer like we think we know because we can explain this part of it but we can't explain the parts that go into this other part like we can explain to some level how telephone wires work and how the signals work but like how do those get there and how do we explain the signals and some people can maybe even explain that level but there's always deeper and deeper levels that we cannot get to the root of without god Scientists just know that, but they hope that people get bored of asking the questions by the time they get. That's to why we mock out. people when they're young that keep saying why all the time, and then if people get older and say why, we're like, "Well, you're just acting like a two-year-old. Stop saying why," because they don't want to answer the why's anymore. <laughs> Sometimes yep. when a two-year-old is asking me that, I turn it to them and I go, I ask them a question about something, and they're like, and just leave. <laughs> They're so confused. They're like, I don't know. I did hear a scientist describe, like, explain it away that way one time. He's like, and people say, well, why did it turn out this way? Why, like, did this planet land exactly where it is from the sun and we evolve from blah, 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 blah? And my answer is, why not? I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's kind of a cop out, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jesus walks on the water. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about that big moment? Because you did talk about that, too. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. All right. He just says you have little faith again as he's doing miraculous things in their presence. Mm, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. That's actually the verse I highlighted. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Um, but my, my, res- my comment here is despite our wavering faith, Jesus is ready to catch us right away. He did catch him. He did reach out his hand for him. So, even when we lack faith, he does not, and he is still there for us. Though ye stumble, ye shall not fall headlong. Jade Fire? Um, my question is, what can you learn about God? And my answer is that he is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. That's very true. He is trustworthy. And that is in the section, right? Uh... Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you, they were able to trust him to walk on the water as well yep, and all yep. that stuff. Yeah, and okay. trust him to catch them. And trust him. Well, he might not even trusted him to catch him, but he did catch him. Well, he said, Lord, save me. Oh, that's true. He did call out to him. You're right. So, yeah. all And right. Jesus did. Yeah. So even though he didn't have faith trust. enough to keep standing on the water, he had faith that Jesus would still save him. Oh, I like that. Right there just sounded like something in the podcast episodes. The previous one. It's going to be a note. <laughs> because it's not... Hey! Because it's not you of no faith, it's you of little faith. Correct. And what did we learn about little faith? It can move about. Um, it can, it can grow. 
All right, and I think we are on the last section for this week, starting in chapter 15. That which defiles is what mine is called. No, you don't have a last section in 14? Oh. Miraculous healings? Does anyone have that? Mm, no. I mean... I have it, but I counted it as the section above. Alright, so okay. did Fair you have something you wanted to say about it? I didn't, I was okay. just making sure no one got skipped. Okay, cool. So that which defiles, that takes me from verse 1 to verse 20. Jadefire, why don't you start us off? Um, my question is, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to speak healthy. I like it. To speak healthy. I mean, yeah, sure. Hypno baby precept. Huh? <laughs> Not nothing. All right, Big Mama. Do you have anything for that section? Um, I really like this section, but I don't really like have a lot to okay. expand on it. Oh, no, cool. know your actual commandments from God, not from other people, and act from the heart, not just lip service. Mm. And even like defilement is from within is what my second heading is and um like some movies or music or whatever they can have zero effect on one christian and be detrimental to another christian and that's has more again more to do with with what's going on in their heart than if that movie or song or whatever is actually good or bad it depends on your heart and where you are in your walk sure yeah, I know plenty of people that have gathered uh, truths and uh, helpful illustrations even just from secular media. Like one, like, PG-13 movie or, like, one bad movie can be, like, they use a jet detrimental to a Christian. Like, it can be really bad sometimes, but other times, like, it doesn't really affect, like, I would prefer to watch any movies that are that bad or whatever, but, you know. And it can be... Sometimes people think that it doesn't have an effect on them because they have a seared conscience. Their conscience has told them that it's bad. They shouldn't have anything to do with it. And they've ignored it so much that it's gone silent. And then other people, it doesn't affect them because they've already learned how to cope with that specific temptation or whatever. Maybe it's not even a temptation that's ever been in their life, but it doesn't affect them the same way. So it's not that they're more spiritually mature or something or um, superior, but it just... Different things affect people in different ways. Like, Absolutely. All right. So to wrap this section up for me here is I highlighted five through nine, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And uh, my note here is that they're so focused on tradition, and we, like many of us, can get into this mindset, too, of a traditional rule or law that we think we need to follow. And so, and their own added laws, which we've seen even in churches and stuff where they add onto God's commands. Uh, they don't look at God's specific commands or understand the point of them. They're not looking at the point of the command. They just are taking it at the letter. Of what it says, <laughs> and what instead of what it's supposed supposed to lead you to, and then they will declare they're doing it for God. But if they don't actually seek God, then they can't possibly understand enough of what He wants to do what He wants. That reminds me of a verse in Titus that I memorized, Titus one sixteen. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any. Right, and like some of them might even think they're doing what's right, but they're not even thinking about God. Actually, they're not like looking to see what He's 
trying to teach them or lead them into. And so they're just doing all this work on their own. Like, like they need to help God along with this or help people. Like, it, it's, it gets messy and confusing. <laughs> you have to actually know a person to have a relationship with. No matter how good of a job you're doing at fulfilling your role, it doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship with that person in that role. Absolutely. All right. Application time. I have mine. Go ahead, Ruby. Um, it's something Big Mama said earlier. Um, to remember that even if I don't think I like what God's plan is for me, to remember that I, in the end, I will actually like it and, like, just think it through, like, this is better for me in this way or that way. Like, that's not exactly what you said earlier, but based yeah. off the idea of what you said. Oh, that's good. Anybody else have theirs ready to share? To trust God or Jesus... M- that he will protect me spiritually more, and that nothing can harm my soul. Well, that's good. Because what happens if you trust God that way? Well, we'll go to heaven. Well, you don't have to fear anything, because he's got your back, and he's yeah. the creator of everything, so you don't have to fear anything. Even things like, hey, this isn't fair that I'm doing these chores, because I didn't make this mess, and they didn't do their fair share of chores. You can trust God to take care of you while you're doing that. I'm just trying to think of specific areas that I've seen you get distressed in your life, and that's one of them that I can think of, is if things seem unfair or like you didn't deserve to do certain work and that sort of stuff. It can be overwhelming, but you can trust God that it's not going to overwhelm you and you'll be able to get it done, right? And if nothing else, like it maybe is there for a purpose and you will grow from it, even if it is unfair. Right? It can help you to grow if you choose to let it help you instead of to resent it. Did you have something, Jade Fire? Pretty much what she said, to have more faith in God. In what certain areas of your life can you apply that? Uh, mainly in the missing out areas. Like what? Kind of like when I have to do missional community. Like I have to actually be a part of missional community. Hmm. So you fear missing out and having fun with your friends who are over. Mm-hmm. Instead of trusting that this is good for you and God is teaching you through it and is looking out for your best interest through it. Mm-hmm. And it will ultimately make your life more joyful than hanging out for couple hours with your friends especially since you get to hang out with them for a little bit afterwards yeah big mama did you have something um mine is along the same lines as rosella's where um having faith and belief in different areas of life where it's missing um and it's very frustrating to me when i lose freedom that's my biggest thing i like to be free to do Mm. what i think is best and to take care of things how i think they should be taken care of people try to inhibit that i get Understandable. I don't so. experience it a lot, but sometimes I can experience that with you. Like, because I sometimes have the same thing where I think I know the best way to do it. So I'm like, but we should be doing it this way. And you're like, no. <laughs> I think it's a common problem for children to have with their parents because they will start to think that they know better or want to do things. And maybe they'll be right sometimes. But sometimes. learning to submit to. It's a good teaching moment to how, learn how to submit to God, too, right? Like, you. If you, because you can't submit to your parents, even it sounds weird because you should be easier to submit to God because you know He's perfect, but you don't see Him, and so a lot of times we distance our minds from that. Whereas you can actually do a, an actual practice in front of yourself and people with your parents, right? So that's a good place to learn and to be taught how to do that with God, who you know will actually be right and perfect in how He leads you. Because we're we're gonna mess up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm perfect. And so my application is just never to mess up again. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, my I, I 
think what I'm mostly getting from this this week is that um, it's just not to lean on my understanding of things. Like, I don't need to know how everything works or whatever. I need to understand God as best, like, as much as he calls me to. And that is what I should be seeking out. How he does things, when he's going to do things, how he's going to bring things about. That is not supposed to be my concern. I don't need to be anxious about that or whatever. I can trust in him to take care of me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what some of us have been all saying. But so mine just doesn't apply to the different direction, I guess, a little bit. So you're all choosing to piggyback on the smallest person? She's going to be crushed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is just more of a, like, not not trying to have to, like, not having this need to understand everything. I don't need to do that. Just to understand God and his will as much as he calls me. That's my application. Well, well do you have everybody's notes from last time? Oh, well, we should check in on those then. Okay. Well, Alright, what's mine? Jade Fire. Listening and obeying. Okay. How's your listening and obeying going? You both well. How do you think it's going? Um, poor. How come? I can't really recall much of obey way. You obey faster, more often, I would say. Okay. But there is still a lot of. But I just. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just go do what I asked you to do, right? Or, you know. There's been instances where you have gone to do something and not done it the way you're supposed to. Mm. Like the garbage. Which there's still some mess to clean up from that. And the uh, quoting, right? Mm. And then lying about it. So, those are definitely strays in the wrong direction because you're not trusting God to take care of you. And you're fearing, I don't know, what, or not believing something in those instances. Yeah, those are the kind of decisions that really personify the building on the sand as opposed to on the rock. Because you get ahead faster, right? Mm-hmm. But then it all falls apart pretty darn quick, right? Mm-hmm. And then you blame me for you not having time to do everything, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never blamed you. So. But you're getting better. You're right. not where you're meant to be, but you're not where you used to be. Uh, and I also got my school done in a more timely manner today. Yeah, I was really surprised that it was all... Yeah, day, Dad up, came down and we are all, like, playing around and he's like, um, have you guys finished your school? I'm like, I have! Hmm. That's awesome. Well, and earlier, though, and it probably helped, is, like, you were doing some stuff, but obviously getting distracted, so I just had you come with me. Sometimes you need a change of scenery to keep your focus. Right. Oh, and that giant chair you have in your room is so comfy. <laughs> that giant chair. Oh, that chair. Alright. Ruby, yours oh, last week was have patience and realize you won't get everything right away. How How's do you feel that's going? Well, I was, last week I knew that the quiz meet for our quizzing was coming up, so I knew that I was going to have to memorize new verses before we recorded again. But, um, and, uh, I reminded myself a couple times while I was memorizing, but one verse was really hard to memorize, and I'm not, I'm not going to say I didn't slap myself in the head with the book. <laughs> but I mean, I'm doing better. You're being a little bit more patient and letting things come to you as slowly as they want to. Except for that one verse which I slapped myself in the head. <laughs> the rest, I, I reminded myself, and it was fine. Good. Rosella. Growing in God, reading the Bible even when things are busy. How's that been going? <laughs> yeah, what, what happened 
uh, all week last time? <laughs> did you have a lot of catching up to do? <laughs> Not as much as she thought she did. She was trying to get a week ahead with her reading yesterday because there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. But he said I needed to read that <laughs> by the end of the week. But how has it been going? Have you been reading your Bible every day, even when you're busy? No. No. What is something that you can do to make that a reality? Maybe putting your Bible by your bed spot so you remember at least at bedtime. Or to even start your day with it. Mm, doing my it first thing when you wake up. My Bible's always by my bed spot now. I try to, I try to do it like the first day, like for the first subject of school. Okay, but you could even do it before breakfast, right? So before you even get out of bed, if it's right next to you, you pick it up, read it, and then you can start your day. Because guess what? When I am not at work, because I have to get up early for work so that I get to work and then read it at work, guess what I do in bed before I get out of my room? You read your Bible. That's right. <laughs> a suggestion, too, is I've tried to make a plan for, like, I'm going to read my Bible this time every time, and sometimes I miss it, and then I fall behind. You can make, like, I'm going to try to read it at nighttime, but if that doesn't work out, read it in the morning, and if, like, make a few times a day that you're going to try and read it, and try to read it every single time. I do think it is great that that was your application, and then you were tested in it, because it was a very busy week that you did keep falling behind, because you didn't read it, like, all week and had to catch up, right? So, like, God's like, oh, you want to be better? Here's a chance. Here's a lot Here's of business. A busy week for you. And it, and that and it shows you that you do need help in it, though. Like, it helps you realize, it keeps you humble, and then we can talk about it and, like, find ways to be better about it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm not perfect in my application, slapping myself in the head with books. And just to be clear, when I say, like, I read it before I get out of my room, do I do that every time? No. I fail sometimes. Do I read it the first thing at work every time? No. And usually if I don't do it the first thing when I'm at work... I forget it all day long and don't even read it until bed. And even then, sometimes I forget it because me and your mom are talking or whatever. Talking. <laughs> Just like Usually that. it's talking. Um, okay, so then Big Daddy. <laughs> What's your name? The old man. <laughs> the old <Yes>. man. <laughs> Being aware of weeds that choke out growth. Mm, okay, yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, that's, I have been working on that. There's, um, there's been some distractions, even just with stupid things like games on the phone or whatever. Um, instead of getting things that I need to be doing done or reading my Bible or whatever, and that happens a lot even at work. I can just stumble into video streams off of, you know, TikTok or Facebook or something, right? So just caught up in those distractions that do not do anything to nourish me or get me anywhere where I want to be or need to be. So I've been trying to cut a lot of that out. Um, I probably have some more work to do there. Uh, um, uh, maybe even delete some apps or something, uninstall them. That'll help. Uh, but yeah, I, I've definitely been... I, I forgot that was my application. But <laughs> I did... I've been thinking about it all week long. It's come up a few times where I'm like, oh yeah, this and that. And like just trying to manage well what what I do with my time, what I've obligated myself to be doing, things like that. Um, like some testing stuff I'm working on, but at the same time, putting it aside when my family needs me with memorizing verses, going for a walk, whatever, right? So like keeping in touch with the important things as well as the obligations I've signed myself up for. <laughs> yes, we need you to come on a walk with us. I think it's actually very beneficial that I'm there with you guys. You for think? me and you. How is it beneficial for us when you're on the walk with us? 
us. Because you know that I'm taking time uh, to spend time with you. So like murder. That I do care for you and want to be with oh, you. It's okay. not like murder. Daddy was always on his computer. He was never came on walks with us or spent any time with us. <laughs> it is important that you feel that I am there for you and with you. <laughs> Mine was to pray for better soil and stronger faith with a sincere heart. And I feel like the week leading up to me making this my application had a lot of that. So I was like, yeah, let's do more of that. But then it kind of like fizzled a little bit. It more, I guess it more morphed. Um, just as like irritations and like the weeds start coming. Start, I've been more mindful of being like, Lord, why is this bothering me so much when it shouldn't? And what what sin is high or unbelief or doubt or lie is lurking in my mind that's making me think that this is a problem when it really shouldn't be? And he doesn't always reveal it right away, but he is faithful to reveal it when needed. And I am learning to have trust and patience when I don't understand things. And I'm just kind of stuck in my discomfort where I don't feel the fruits of the spirit, but I can still like guide my body through the steps, so to speak. Um, because it's not a sin to be in sorrow. Like Jesus was sorrowful in the garden and he never sinned. So it's not a sin to feel distressed necessarily, but where you go from there is where the sin can start coming. And even though my emotions are telling me one thing, I am prayerfully reminding myself that my actions don't need to follow my emotions, but they need to follow God's will and my will, which I try to align with God's. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think yep. so. So if it doesn't, I'll catch it when I edit it and I'll let just you know. Edit me out of this episode. I'll just record something over and be like, "So, Big Mama didn't make any sense at this point." Uh, Big Mama's um, pregnant and crazy, so we just <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all. You're probably going to laugh when you hear this again. Yeah, I probably will. All right, that means Ruby. I believe it is your turn to close us out in prayer. Okay. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we are able to do this podcast and discuss your word. Um, please help all of us with our applications for um everybody besides me um with their faith in God and their assurance, or their faith in you, I guess, and their assurance, and for me to, um, um, please help me to remember to have patience when, um, I don't know your plan, and just to trust that it will all work out for the good, um, amen. Amen. What are you playing with? Is that the clicking that you're, mm-hmm. that's mom. That's me. Oh, that's you. Sorry. Paper. I ate it. Oh. If I wrote, God is all you need for the, those ones. My book! <laughs> According to the Beatles, love is all you need. Who are the Beatles? I like, I like the group. Like the Beatles. Asian Beatles that come in the windows? No. <laughs> Beatles spelled B E A T. They smell less, but they still bite. Maybe they do smell. They probably do now. (laughs) What? They're all dead. (laughs) What? (laughs) 